joy and our delight. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Amen. Well, good morning, Coastal Church. It's been a great morning of worship, hasn't it? And it's great to have the kids. And uh, we wouldn't have kids without moms, right? So um, you guys were able to put the math together. And uh, listen, uh, what a, it was great having them here uh, leading us in worship. And I was thinking about just mo- motherhood in general this week. And, um, you know, uh, there was a, one of our congresswomen from New York uh, this year posted something on their social media that really disturbed me deeply uh, in, in her social media post, she posted the suggestion that maybe uh, the women in America should stop having children, as if children are somehow a deterrent or a lack of joy or a lack of a bright future for us. Can you even imagine that? And, and it's actually a disobedience to the command of the Lord, right? Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. After the flood, Noah, be fruitful and multiply. And the fruit of the womb is a joy, amen? And uh, they got to lead us in worship this morning, our children did. And so, as I was thinking about motherhood, I was thinking, you know, what, what, what are we here on earth as believers to do? We're here to be molded and shaped more and more into the image of Christ. And when I think about my mom, or I've watched my wife serve our children, I see women that are self denying or self-sacrificing or humble servants to their, to their families who, who are powerfully training the next generation uh, and shaping our future by pouring their lives into the next generation, I think, man, what an awesome thing that a mom is. It displays so many great things to us and, and shapes us and reminds us of Christ. And so, you moms that are serving your family Uh, You grandmoms who are still praying for your family and investing in the next generation, man, we love you, we thank you, and so I want you to stand, and then I'm going to pray over you. So moms, would you stand, and we are just so grateful for how you model Christ in your home. Woo! Amen. Thank you, moms. Thank you. Grandmoms, thank you. Don't sit yet. Don't sit. You're not allowed to sit. All right? Let's... Y'all were standing with your phones out just two seconds ago, all right? So you can stay standing while we pray, all right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. You are the one, God, who ordained the family, and um, you've ordained it for our best and for our good. And so these moms that are standing have invested in their children. They have spent hours and hours denying themselves and living for someone else, meaning their kids. And, and that is a model for us of what Christ has done and what Christ calls us to do. And so, I want to thank you, God, for every single mom standing and for the influence that they have been given and entrusted. And, and, uh, and Father, today's a mixed day, too. I, w- I want to be mindful that there, there's some in the congregation who... Um, whose mom has passed this year, and uh, God, they're grieving, if we're honest, today. It's a tough day, and so uh, you promised to be near to the brokenhearted, and so as there are people in our congregation that grieve this morning, I pray that you will, you will give them grace and strength. There's, there's some uh, women in, in this church that um, they've had to bury one of their children, God, and so they're grieving the loss of a child, and on Mother's Day, they're torn, and so I pray that you would be near to the brokenhearted. 
Uh, Father, there are some that are not able to stand right now because they want to be a mom and you haven't opened the womb, and so they're struggling in that. And so I pray, God, that you may display grace to them this year and, and open the womb. I pray for our single mothers, God, who, who are raising their home and, and uh, Father, in some ways pulling double duty of both a mother and trying to, to be the picture of a father as well. And so I pray extra measure of grace and strength to our single moms. And, and Father, I thank you for uh, just every home represented right here this morning that's standing. And God, as we dive into your word, I pray that your word would cause all of us to focus on less on temporal things and more on eternal things uh, because Christ was eternally minded. He endured the cross for the joy set before Him. And so I pray that as we walk out of here this morning, we would be a people that exude joy because our minds are stayed on Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' most precious name I pray, amen. All right, thank you moms. Give these moms a round of applause and... uh, We have a gift for you this morning. You've either already gotten it uh, or you're going to get it. It's uh, we've given flowers. We're giving flowers away, courtesy of our men's ministry, and I think it's being distributed by our student ministry. And so, if uh, your mom goes out of here this morning, if you're here this morning as an adult child or a late teen child, and your mom goes out of here this morning, and the first gift they have gotten is from Coastal Community Church, then shame on you. Okay, so. Just kidding. Hey, listen, let's dive in. That's probably my kids, to be honest with you. So, um, I gave them forewarning. Philippians chapter 4. Dive in with me. Get your Bible out. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to look at four, five verses, 4 through 9. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, do me a favor. Take that one with you. We would love for you to have a copy of the Word of God, especially if you'll read it on a regular basis. And uh, I don't know, years ago, you got to be kind of old to remember this, but in older buildings years ago, uh, there would be, uh, they would put um, like fire extinguishers uh, in a box behind a pane of glass. Remember that? And, uh, and then hanging by this glass would be a large hammer, and written across the glass, it would say what? In case of emergency, do what? What a bad idea that is, right? I mean, you lacerate yourself trying to save people, but uh, yeah, I'm so glad we don't have those around our building now. Youth night would be a terror, so, you know, it'd be broken glass everywhere. But, but that was the way we did it back then, right? Now we've come up with safer means. But, uh, and so many years ago, I saw uh, an ad in a magazine that I was reading, just tells you how old it is, uh, and, and, and it had a very similar box, but it was huge, and behind this box was a mercury Grand Marquis. So all the millennials are like, "What's a Mercury?" Okay, it's a it's an automaker that went out of business. And so, uh, but it was the Mar- the Grand Marquis was the their top of the line automobile, and it was situated behind an emergency uh, box and written across this emergency box. It said, "In case of discomfort." break glass, right? And, and the idea was that the Mercury Grand Marquis would make you comfortable. And I thought about that advertisement, and I thought in a, in a very real way, uh, that's kind of the American culture, right? Uh, a lack of comfort is often made to look like an emergency, right? If we're not comfortable in whatever, in our job place, in our marriage, in our church, you know, if things aren't going the way we think that we should, man, it's an emergency, and you need to make radical changes, and, and I think what we've equated is comfort to happiness. And so if we're not happy, then somewhere we're uncomfortable, and so we need to just 
radically, this is what the culture is saying, we need to radically change our situation. And so uh, we're in the middle of a four-part series on Christian emotions, and we all have emotions. God's given us emotions. And, and I think that, you know, I could have said, hey, we're going to talk about happiness this morning, but I think what we need to think about as believers especially is our pursuit is not happiness. Our pursuit is joy, and they are different. Because happiness is circumstantial, and happiness is often short-term, but, but joy is something that is lasting. Joy is something that Christ taught us. Joy is something that we should be pursuing. And so I think a lot of times, even as Christians, we think we're pursuing joy when in reality we're pursuing happiness. And so what I want to do this morning is go through Philippians 4 and kind of hold up this joyful grid. And the letter to the Philippians, the whole letter, is the Apostle Paul describing to this church in Philippi, hey, this is what joy looks like. And then I want to kind of reflect the grid and go, man, is my life experiencing joy? And if not, why not? And I hope that this text may explain to us, man, maybe this is why I'm not experiencing joy. So Philippians 4, 4, let's jump in, all right? Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, as if the first time wasn't enough, we just sang this, by the way. And again, I say what, church? Rejoice, right? And that's how we're going to close this morning. I want us to go out rejoicing in the Lord. First thing I want you to see is that joy comes from the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You have to be in the Lord to have joy to be able to rejoice. Now, let me define joy for you, okay? That's your first letter, letter A there. Joy is spiritual stability. Joy, and this is why it's not fleeting, and this is why it's not a moving target. Joy is is spiritual stability. One of my favorite authors, John MacArthur, defined it this way. I love this. I I think you may have it in your notes, but I know I have it on the slide. It says this. It says, joy is not a feeling... It is a deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and for his own glory. Thus, all is well no matter the circumstances. Man, I love that. See, joy is not fleeting. Joy is a trust in our God and his character and and that all is well. And so Paul here says joy is ultimately found, in the letter B, Christ is the foundation of joy. Now, uh, let me just say this. You can't have joy if you're not in Christ. Paul uses the word Lord here. Rejoice in the Lord. The word Lord, Paul often uses, is a, it's a positional term. It, it's placing Christ in the rightful position in your heart and in your mind and in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you called mom, right? And you said, Mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? And your mom said, well, I really would love for you to come to church, right? And so maybe that's why you're here this morning. I'm so glad you're here, all right? And I want to encourage you, like, if you're new to church, you're trying to figure this thing out, listen, the gospel, and the word gospel means good news, is this. Here's the good news, all right? The good news is this, God created man, and man, he gave man the rules, but man decided that we know better than God. 
And in knowing better than God, we say, God, we're not going to follow your rules which reflect your character. We're going to do things our own way. And in doing things our own way, the Bible calls this sin. And so we look at God and we go, God, we know better how to handle our time, our talent, our treasure than you do. God, we, we know better how to do this thing called sex and sexuality than you do. So we do things our own way, and the Bible calls this sin. And our God is holy. The creator God of the Bible, the creator God of the universe is holy. He's without sin. He hates sin, and he destroys sin. It's what his character does. And so as human beings, that leaves us in a precarious spot. And what we deserved is the wrath of God because we were temporal. We didn't want to do things his way and that's what we deserve. But God displayed to us His mercy and His grace and His love by giving you and I His very best gift, His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And His Son, Jesus Christ, came and He lived a perfect life. He's the only person that walked the earth that didn't deserve to die. But He chose death. He died in our stead, a brutal death on the cross. And as He died on the cross, the God of the universe poured out His hatred and His anger towards sin. Instead of it being on you, He poured it out on His one and only Son. And he bore God's wrath and hatred for sin, and they laid him in a grave. And here's the miracle of it all. And if this last part didn't happen, then Jesus shouldn't be followed. He shouldn't be your Lord. But because the last part happened, he is our Lord. On the third day, Jesus rose bodily from the grave, verifying who he said he was, which was the God of the universe, and letting us know that in Christ, death will not have final say over the Christian. Isn't that great news? And so in the Lord now... We rejoice. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know that gospel message, the reason your mom asked you to come today is she wants you to know that message. And I would challenge you with this. If you're like, man, I'm curious about that, at lunch today that you're treating, okay, uh, you ask your mom about her relationship with Jesus, all right? So you pay and then you get even better news, all right? It's the story of Jesus. And so joy come, the foundation of joy, is in the Lord. It's not a feeling. Joy is the divine gift of knowing and resting in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that God no longer sees us in our sin, but He sees us clothed in the good and perfect works of Christ. The church word for that is righteousness. Isn't that great news? Yeah, that's the gospel, and we rest in that. And so, since Christ is the foundation of joy. Joy means we live with or brings in our hearts and minds an eternal perspective, okay? And so we see this in Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, where the author of Hebrews is encouraging us to run this, see our life as like a race, right? So we're running this race, and he says, therefore, in Hebrews 12, 1, he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And so what's the author saying? If your life is a race, no one runs a race and straps more weight on, right? You don't see at the Olympics the guy that's about to run the 100 meters go, hey, wait, before I run, I'm going to put some 10-pound ankle weights on, all right, just to give you all a chance. Usain Bolt should maybe do that, okay, so to make it close. But, uh, but no, we don't do that. We get rid of the extra weight. And so the Bible says that's our sin, right, and our sin which clings so closely. He says, let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. How do we do that? Verse 2. Well, we look to Jesus, who's the founder and the perfecter of our faith, and now he gives us, the author gives us insight. How did Jesus run his race? 
who, for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross, despising its shame. Well, how was he able to do that? Because he was looking forward to what was going to come next, which is he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. To go through life with joy is to fixate our eyes on Christ, and Christ showed us the way by saying he fixated his mind on eternity future. And so I want to remind you this morning, whatever you're going through this morning, whatever circumstance is difficult, whatever circumstance seems to be robbing you of your happiness, let me encourage you, fixate your mind's eyes on Christ who reminds us that your life is just a temporary assignment. Just a temporary assignment. It's a temporary assignment in which you can you can bring joy, you can walk it in joy, and you can bring glory to God, and you can bring hope to others. If you've been around uh, coastal this year, um, there's a very very dear friend of many of ours, and a dear dear lady. Her name was Martha Bennis, who uh, cancer took her life far too early. And um, those of us who knew her. This woman was absolutely remarkable. I, I never met someone that you would go to encourage her because you knew she was battling cancer and it, it certainly looked like it was winning and you'd go to encourage her and you would walk away encouraged. Amen? Anybody that knew her? Why'd she do that? How was she able to do that? Well, it's for the joy set before her. She was not earthly minded. She said, I'm here to serve the Lord for however long the Lord has me on this earth. And, but, and, but once I'm done, He's going to take me home. And I'm going to be with my Savior forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I never met a person that walked and journeyed through life with so much joy. Joy is not happiness. Joy is not tied to circumstances. Joy is saying, man, my life's a temporary assignment. And so because it's a temporary assignment, believers, number two here, can walk through life with graciousness. The spirit of joy is graciousness. The Apostle Paul says in verse 5, let your reasonableness, or really that, that, a better word there would be graciousness, let your graciousness be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand. In other words, the overflow of joy is graciousness, kindness. You know, as we get older, men especially, like we shouldn't be turning into grumpy old men, all right? We should be growing more and more in graciousness because the Spirit of God has got us eternally minded. And joy walks closely with humility. That's your letter B. Why why does it walk closely with humility? Because the Apostle Paul says the Lord is at hand. We go through life with this gentle reminder of the importance of going through life with the fear of the Lord. Hey, my life submits to the Lord, and therefore there's no circumstance outside of the control of the Lord. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, like, I, I get it, man. When circumstances radically change and life gets difficult, it's really easy to go, why me, God? Why me, God? Why me, God? And listen, I even think there's psalms that point to that, right, where the psalmist writes, you know, God, I can't believe all I'm going through. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair. And it usually ends with praising the Lord. But we should, as we're growing in the Lord, we should be going, you know what? There's no circumstance I'm going through that the Lord hasn't given me, and it's an opportunity for me to display my trust in my rest in the Lord, because here's the deal. Joy, let her see, is not circumstantial. Joy does not depend on my circumstances. 
Joy depends on my rest in Christ. How many of y'all know Philippians 4.13, right? A lot of y'all, right? Let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? Love that verse. You should know that verse. You should have that verse memorized. But here's the deal. That verse is very, very often taken out of context, right? I'm going to be a professional athlete. How do you know? Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah, but you're 5'4 and you run slow. So, I don't know, you know, like it may not happen for you. I'm going to start a business and it's going to be successful. Right? Well, how do you know? Well, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't that what the Bible says? We can't rip that verse out of context. And it's okay to have dreams. And I think we should pursue our dreams within the confines of wisdom and godly mentors and things like that. But, but here's the thing, all right? But that verse is in the context of contentment. Philippians 4.12, Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance... Man, I have learned the secret. And what's the secret? Man, I've learned the secret of being with plenty, and I've learned the secret of being hungry. I've learned the secrets of having abundance, and I've learned the secret of having need. And here's what I've learned. I can endure. I can go through all of these circumstances. Why? Because I can do all, the all things is enduring all circumstances. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we have joy. Circumstances don't give it or take it. Ultimately, we're resting in Christ, which is number three. Joy delivers rest in our God. Verses six and seven of Philippians four, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. By the way, you're beginning, you know, we started this series on anxiety. Last week, we talked about anger. Two great sermons, Pastor Joey, Pastor Andrew, and uh, uh, and, and this keeps coming up, the same kind of thought about anxi- anxiety, right? Don't be anxious about a- anything. Why? Because we rest in God. And then Paul here tells us how we rest in God. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And when we do that, it says, verse 7, and the peace of God, which does what, church? surpasses all understanding, right? Will do what? It'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we, we've got this anxious, 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 anxious culture. And Pastor Joey handled this topic fantastic two weeks ago. I don't want to re-preach it. And I, I think there's places in anxiety, in the battle of anxiety and depression, where our body is broken because of sin, right? And so I think sometimes a medical doctor can help. So I'm not throwing the baby out with the bath water. But I do think that a lot of times our worry in it, by the way, what is worry? Worry is thinking about a, something in your mind, it's taking a thought in your mind of something that you can't control and thinking about it over and 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 over. You got it? Right? And we just think about the same thing and we come up with all these you know, nuances. Well, if this person says this, I'm going to do this. And we, like, we project of something that hasn't even happened yet, and we just worry and worry and worry. And I'm telling you, a big part of the battle is right here. And what is meditation, by the way? Meditation's positive. 
A lot of times, the false teaching of meditation is we hear it's, it's emptying our minds. It's not emptying our minds. It's thinking about the Word of the Lord, the promises of God, the character of God, over and 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 over. You got it? And so we replace worry with the truth, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment because Paul talks about it. And in the meantime, man, we're anxious and we feel those thoughts where we're starting to worry and it's going through our head. Paul says, here's what you can do. Number one, go to God with prayer and supplication. We get to pray to the God of the universe. Thank you. All right, let me say that again. We get to pray to the God of the universe. He cares for you. He cares for me. He wants to hear from us. First Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? God cares for you. Isn't that great? Listen, moms, um, I'm not a mom, I'm a dad, but listen, I get it too as they get older. I thought as it got older, it got easier. Now they're just idiot adults. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? So guess what I do now? The older I get, the more I pray. Lord, help these kids. Now, all kidding aside, man, the world, they have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They have all three of them. The outside influences, their own sin, and, the, and Satan himself wants to tear our children. And we, that's a battle we can't fix. So I pray every day. I take at least once a month where I fast and pray for my kids and for their salvation, for them to fear the Lord above all else, to fear the Lord's the beginning of the wisdom. I just pray. God prays. Prayer and supplication, anything we're worried about, right? Paul says, and bring thanksgiving and praise. We prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and praise. Listen, we all have something to be thankful for, don't we? And by the way, God doesn't need our praise. Why does God command us to praise Him? Is He needy? God's not needy, right? Why does God command us to praise Him? Praise reminds us of who He is. Praise reminds us of who He is and allows us to be confident in His character and in His promises. And when we do that, the Scriptures say, the peace of God is with us in our minds and in our hearts. Speaking of our minds, it's point number four. Speaking of minds, the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 4, and we're talking about joy, verse 8. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Guarding your mind is the hard work of joy. I want you to hear that again. Guarding your mind is the hard work of joy. Not everything that passes through your brain should stay there, right? Not every thought that goes through your brain is from on high, is God-given, and it's not always the devil's fault either. Let's stop blaming the devil for our thoughts, all right? Not everything that goes through our head is necessarily true. What we're supposed to do is take our thoughts and pass them through Scripture, which is the words of Christ, 
and make sure what we're believing is wholesome and true and right. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 verse 5 says this, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. How do we do that? We take every thought captive to obey Christ. So when you're worrying, you can pause and say, man, is what I'm believing true? Is what I'm thinking about over and over, is this true? Is there a promise of God that right now I'm ignoring and instead I'm choosing to just worry about it? And we can begin to, tr- to, to meditate on God's Word. And by the way, if you're not reading God's Word, how are you going to know the promises of God's Word? Right, church? Man, we got to be in the Word. And so Paul says, think about these things. So let me go through this list real quick, right? Let's take a look at the list concerning what we should be thinking about. Paul says, whatever is true, which by the way, this lets us know that truth is knowable. Parents, I'm telling you, you're sending your kids to secular institutions that are telling your kids that truth is not knowable. That's a lie. We have objective truth that we can stand on, and it's true for this generation, it was true for past generations, and it will be true for future generations. Truth is objective, it's knowable, and it's good for all generations. Truth does not change. Amen? Jesus said in John 14, he said, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the, what did Jesus say? I'm the truth. Jesus is the truth. Paul tells us to think about the truth. If, we, if truth is not knowable, why would Paul tell us to think about the truth? It's knowable. Number two, Paul says, think about things that are honorable. This means things that are not trivial. This means we're not entertaining ourselves to death. And listen, there, there's, a, there's a place for entertainment, but man, we are so hooked up nowadays. You can get TV, Hulu, on and on, right on your phone, man. We're just hooked up all the time. And man, I want to challenge you with this, all right? Every spiritual leader that I know, all right, is a reader, Reading their scriptures, of course, and filling their minds with good truths. Make that a regular discipline so that you can think about things that are honorable. And Paul says, think about things that are just and right. This means righteous. It means think about things that are holy and righteous as unto the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says this. Paul writes this in Romans 8. He says, for those who live according to the flesh, that means in a sinful world, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, and by the way, when we live according to the Spirit, it's it's not losing control, it's setting up. So what Paul says, according to the Spirit, set their minds on the what, church? The things of the Spirit, this is righteousness and holiness. Listen, if you're filling your mind with pornography, you're going to wrestle continually with sexual sin. It's just a fact. You're setting your mind on the things of the flesh. If if you're struggling with an addiction and you're constantly filling your mind with, man, how can I get to the next high or how can I get to the next drunkenness and on and on, you're thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about it, eventually you're just going to do it. Fill your mind with the truth of God's Word. Think about things that are holy and righteous and letter D, pure. Paul says he's talking about moral purity and innocence, sexual purity. Pursue purity in the mind, Paul says. Think about things that are lovely, meaning sweet and generous and gracious and patient. 
Think about things, letter F, of good repute. This means lofty themes, right? And one of the things, and, and I love humor, and I love to laugh as much as anybody, but I'm going to tell you something. The humor of this culture is getting grosser and harsher and more sarcastic, more cutting. Think about lofty things. Like, if you know the Marvel Universe better than you know the Gospel of John, like, you probably should spend more time in the Gospel of John, Right? Excellence, Paul says. Think about things that are excellent. Letter G. Praise. Think about things that are done well. Think about doing things well. Think about tomorrow when you go to work. I want to work hard for my boss because I want to be an employee who's excellent. Christians should be rising up in the workplace as the best employees. Think about things, Paul says, that are praiseworthy. Listen, if you come to Coastal for any length of time, you're going to hear every single week, you're going to hear the gospel every single week. Every single week, we're going to remind you that God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed life into man, and he gave man one rule, don't eat of that fruit, the moment you do, you're going to die. And man said, God, I know better than you, ate of the fruit, and God in his graciousness and mercy didn't immediately kill man, but rather clothed himself in flesh, interceded for man, that we might have the offering of eternal life, because our God is also loving and merciful and gracious. We're going to tell that story every single week so that you leave here going, I got something praiseworthy in my life. Think about these things. Our minds should be fixated on these things. And by the way, thinking about these things is not simply contemplating our navel, all right? It's not devoid of action is what I mean, ready? Philippians 4, 9, because Paul concludes with this, and we'll finish up. He says, what you have learned and you have received and what you have heard and what you have seen in me, what's he say, church? Practice these things. When you practice these things, guess what happens? The God of peace will be with you. Number five, there's joy and obedience. It's joy and obedience. If joy is spiritual stability, a joyful person has a lifestyle, has actions that represent or resemble stability. They put into practice the words of God. The overflow of a mind set on truth is action. And there is joy in obedience Jesus said this in John 15, he said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what, church? May be complete, may be full. When we walk in obedience, the God of peace is with us, Paul says. Some of you are not experiencing the the peace of God, because you keep going back to your habitual sin. God wants you to overcome that. He wants you to fight it by being in His Word, by being in community, by serving others, by being a part of corporate worship on a regular basis. All these are the, tool, the spiritual tools that God has given us to have joy, to have spiritual stability. I remember for years and years and years, when my kids were younger, we'd take trips. We don't live near our family, so we'd always have to take long trips to see our family. And um, along the way, the kids would get hungry, and so we would stop at McDonald's, and uh, McDonald's has this little box for kids called the what? The Happy Meal, right? 
And so we get the kids a Happy Meal. And I remember when they were in their teen years, one time kind of sifting through the, the toy box, and I couldn't believe how many Happy Meal toys we had in there, right? And, but here's what I learned about the Happy Meal. Well, actually, I learned two things. But uh, the, first, the first thing I've learned is that at no time in my kid's future life, did, like as they got older, did they go, you know, Dad, I'm feeling kind of blue, but as I sit here and think about it, man, I remember that toy I got in the Happy Meal. The Happy Meal really did make me happy, right? Does your kid ever do that? No, never, right? The second thing I remember, know about the Happy Meal is the changes they've made. They now offer apple slices. What? Is, no, no woo. What is that about? <laughs> Listen, there's nothing that makes you happier than finding a month-old fry behind the seat, and that thing tastes as good as when it came out of the deep fat fryer, all right? So... Um, that's how we fed our kids on the way home. There's fries under the seats, kids. Help yourselves, you know. <laughs> but um, all kidding aside, we kind of know this. We kind of don't that uh, stuff doesn't make us happy, right? In fact, as we get older, we generally don't get smarter. Our Happy Meals just get more expensive. Um, so here's what I want you to leave with this morning. My hope is as we grow older, that our focus is not on happiness, but our pursuit is joy. And joy is found in pursuing Christ wholeheartedly. Think about His gospel. Think about His word. Think about that truth. Let our minds be fixated on Christ and eternal things. God didn't make us to be just here and now individuals. Yes, we live in the here and now, and we serve Him in the here and now, but He made us to make an impact for all of eternity. Your life's a temporary assignment. And so I want you to go through it with these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, Paul says, I say what, church? Rejoice. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to go out of here this morning a people of joy. We want to go out of here a people that rejoice because we know Christ and we know that you loved us in Christ, God, and you didn't give us what we deserved. Instead, you gave us mercy and grace and hope and purpose, God. We get to walk out of here knowing there's an eternal purpose for our lives, and we are grateful to you. And so no matter what our circumstances throw at us, God, we know that you, for a believer, work all things together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And in that, God, we say thank you, we praise you, and we worship you. And it's in Jesus' most precious name I pray, amen. Amen, church. Let's go out rejoicing this morning. Let's stand and sing rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, again I say, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, again I say, rejoice. God bless the Lord.